Welcome to the Unsure to Unstoppable podcast. My name is James Dunn, and I was adopted. I grew up in a household with an alcoholic father, and I was arrested for attempted armed robbery when I was 17 years old. Why do I share that with you in this podcast introduction? Well, because while you may not have gone through any one of those specific set of circumstances yourself, you've had your own version of them, whether it's a loss of a job, a divorce, you were picked on as a kid. Something in your life has created this little voice in the back of your head that's made you doubt yourself, question yourself and what you're truly capable of. As a podcast host and as a mindset coach, what I do is I help you tell that little voice in the back of your head to shut the fuck up, get out of your own way and move from unsure to unstoppable. And how I plan to do that is each week, I'm going to bring you stories of inspiration, motivation, my own challenges, my own struggles, as well as those of others who've gone through challenging times, rough times, things that most people maybe just didn't think they could ever get through, but have not only gone through them, but come out thriving on the other side of them. And through the sharing of those stories, I hope to help you see that you're not alone in this journey called life. Whatever you've gone through, whatever challenges you're having right now, it doesn't matter. You are a fucking badass and you deserve an amazing, incredible life. And we're going to help you get there. So with that, enjoy today's show. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I want to share with you a reminder, something that popped up in my head during a recent trip that I took. So... If you follow me on the socials, you may have seen recently I went to New York City. What? what? And if I'm being brutally honest with you, I, I, I've i only been to New York City once before and I was not a big fan. Uh, I went a couple of decades ago. A friend of mine and I went up there thinking it was going to be super cool. I was young and dumb at the time and we actually drove up there from the St. Louis area. I forget how long the drive was, but... You know, we were looking to save some money at the time, drove our cars up there and thinking we we're just going to drive around New York City like you drive around any other city. I, I'm a very well-traveled person, at least inside the States, and drove into many a big city and had zero problem with it. But holy shit, New York City driving is another beast altogether. And uh, yeah, I was brutally, brutally put in my place in terms of my driving skills and my abilities and what I was comfortable with and what I was not comfortable with when I went to New York City way back in the day. And so therefore, it left a very bad taste in my mouth. Um, you know, had a couple of cool things happen while I was there the first go around, but just have not really cared for New York City ever since then. Uh, I've always been an LA guy, sunny guy. That's my that's my temps. That's the area I want to be is Los Angeles. So LA over New York any and every day. But had a situation coming up or came up here at the end of this year where my all-time favorite band, Kiss, was going to hang up the boots, call it a day in terms of their touring career, um, which is essentially you know them as a band all together because they haven't really recorded anything in 15, 20 years even probably. So um, yeah, they were going to call it a day on their career. And they had announced that their final two shows were going to be in Madison Square Garden in New York City because that's where they had their history at. That's where they started at. And so they wanted to close the show where they essentially opened the show, where they started so long ago, 50 years ago. And I, I, I had to be there. It's one of those things where this may be the final show they ever play. It may not be the final show they ever play. They love to say that they're going to hang it up. 
I, on a very strong feeling, believe that this is the end of their true touring days. Now, whether or not they play some one-offs like here, like a Las Vegas residency or some other special show like that, anything's possible. I believe with Kiss, you show them the money, they'll play it, they'll do it. But in terms of touring, I truly do believe this was the final tour stop they were ever going to play. And I just felt, again, I had to be there. So I booked a trip to New York City. Um, got there. And this time I was much wiser, older and wiser. So I flew into New York City for a couple of reasons. Number one, I just wanted to save the time. Number two, I knew the situation in terms of driving and was not going to deal with trying to drive a car around New York City again. So I got there, hopped off the plane, rode a bus for a little bit. Uh, I tried local transportation on my life. I want to be in New York City. I want to experience New York City. So I rode the bus a little bit. Didn't care for that so much. Got to ride the subway. That was actually pretty cool. But um, spent the vast majority of my time walking. And that really is where this lesson kind of hit me, was walking all the time. I was up on 48th Avenue. Um, Madison Square Gardens on 37th, I believe it was. And there were a number of things even further south. I didn't go all the way south in Manhattan. I spent all my time in just outside of Times Square. And uh, I didn't go all the way down to like the um, 9-11 Memorial. That's at the very south, southern tip of Manhattan. But I did go down uh, quite a ways down to southern Manhattan, if you call it that, to go meet uh, somebody that I really wanted to meet for a really long time. I knew a place where she was working, got to go in there, got to meet her, uh, rockstar George Unga from the TV show, rockstar in excess way back in the day. So that was a very cool experience. And through doing all of this walking, what I noticed was there were two types of people when we're, when we're walking down these New York city streets, they're the type of people who, are very cautious, very by the books. I'm going to follow all the street signs. I'm going to, if it says don't walk, I don't walk. I'm going to wait for whatever. You know, I'm going to be very courteous. I'm going to just be super slow. There's that type of people. And then there's New York City people. So I believe really what it is, is the people who are visiting from out of town follow the rules, follow the guidelines of if the crosswalks, you know, signal says don't go you don't go. You stand there, you wait. If you're from New York City, you have a completely different mentality. You've got this belief system, this feeling, this sense of urgency inside of you that says, I got someplace to be, man. I got to fucking go. And so what happens is you walk up, you get to the stop, you get to the edge, you know, the road right there, the corner. And if you look up and there's traffic going, of course, you stop, you don't go across. But once you see that traffic clear, it doesn't matter if the crosswalk sign says walk or not, you go. That's just, you move. And so that was one of the pieces of this mentality that I adopted was, I'm just going, man. I got places to be. I'm not going to stand here and wait, wait, and wait, and wait, you know, and do all the, the proper things in terms of the rules of the road, I guess you would call it. I'm going to go, you know, as soon as I see traffic is gone. I'm moving on. That's what we do here in New York City. Once the road is clear, you go. A second thing that I realized very quickly was here in the local area I live in Edwardsville, Illinois. Uh, I you know go to St. Louis from time to time, and anytime I really go anywhere, specifically walking down the street, 
if I see somebody, I nod, even if they're across the street here locally, if I'm out jogging or running, I'll, I'll wave at people. I'll say hi to people. If I'm out on the trails, I say hi to them. Even if I'm passing them from the back, going around them, I'll make sure to kind of, you know, give them their space. I'll move over to the far side of the road. So I don't spook them when I come around, especially if they're listening to headphones, you know, listen to music on the headphones. But, you know, even once I get around, I'm going to give them a little wave, courtesy, hey, how's it going? Things like that. So I'm a very courteous guy. I, I'm very cordial. I try and make eye contact whenever possible. And again, head nod, just something, some acknowledgement of your human being that's right there in front of you. But what I realized also in New York City was just with the sheer volume of people, the number of people that are walking down those streets at any given time and the chaos that kind of entails in that situation, you can't be that way to every single person that you see. Could you do it on a small scale? Pick a few people here, a few people there that you're not at, to say hello to, whatever. Yes, obviously you could do that. But in terms of the type of person that I generally am or try to be where I'm saying hello to just about anybody I see, that went out the window really quick. And so what all of this is leading up to was this remembrance, this um, stirring up of this knowledge that I had, which is immersion and how much immersion will absolutely transform you, transform your personality, transform your beliefs, transform your habits. When you immerse yourself into a culture, you will start to adopt those traits of the people that are living in that culture. So as I mentioned, you know, specifically in New York City, within 24, 36 hours of being there, I had already gone to, instead of being this person who right now when I'm at home, hey, if there's a stoplight, if says don't walk, I just, I wait, you know, I'm, I'm in the moment, I'm relaxed. I want to take in, you know, take in this time as I'm standing here and just be at peace with that and enjoy that. But when you're in an environment where it's a hustle kind of environment, you tend to take on again, those traits, you take on those actions, those movements that other people are doing, because that's what is the norm there. That's kind of what's expected. You're going to kind of get run over on a certain level if you don't move while you're in New York City. This happens so much in life. If you look at your friend group, your peer group, the city that you live in, or the business that you're in, the, um, you know, the people that you surround yourself with, that you're hanging out with most often, you're going to adopt the traits of those people and the business that you're in and what the norms are in that business. If it's a boiler room type situation for stocks, bonds, you know, type of thing with like, it's a really hustle, like hardcore driving Jordan Bell for, you know, kind of thing. Wolf of Wall Street, you're just like, I'm going to say whatever it takes to get you, you know, to buy this thing from me. That's the old, old school mentality. You're going to fall into that. Even if that's not your personality, if you're not careful, you're going to fall into that mentality and that style because that's the expectation. That's the norm. You don't really want to be the outsider in the group. Even if you think I'm this person, I'm not going to be like this. It's really, really, really hard not to fall into that. Now you could have, you know, a very strong will and very solid morals and beliefs and know that, Hey, this is just not the environment for me and step out of it. I've done that myself. Interestingly enough, it was a very similar situation to what I just described being in a business. It was a recruiting business. I was hired as a recruiter to recruit people into the construction field. And this business was very 
much like I just described where it's, I'm going to say just about anything or do anything to get you, you know, to go over to this other business or get this other business to hire you or whatever. There was specifically something called a ruse call, which entailed me as the recruiter to call up these companies and say, Hey, I was just talking to one of your um, engineers the other day. And I can't remember what his name is. Oh man. What was his name? What was it? Oh, I really wish I could remember that guy's name. And what I'm trying to do is get you to tell me somebody's name. You're going to say, Hey, Oh, is it Bob Jenkins? Oh no, it wasn't Bob Jenkins. And what I'm doing is I'm writing down Bob Jenkins name. And then you say, Oh, was it Tim Smith? Nope. It wasn't Tim Smith. I, but I think it sounds close to that. And then, so what I'm doing is I'm getting you to give me names and once you give me these names, I'm going to do is I'm going to hang up the call. I'm going to hang up the phone. A week or two later, I'm going to call you back and I'm going to say, Hey, I might speak with Tim Jones because now I know Tim Jones works there. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and get Tim Jones to leave your company and come work for me. And that was fucking just not my style. So I eventually got fired from that job, but I was in the, I was on the path of quitting it because I just knew it was not my, it was not who I was. But being there in that office, I saw other people take on that mentality because they felt like to fit in here, to be a part of this um, business, to have this job, I have to do these things because that's what the boss is telling me to do. Again, thankfully for me, I just knew that wasn't right. I was in a good place in my life where the job was not that important to me. I enjoyed the money, sure, but I was not going to sacrifice who I was. I knew I would find a way to support myself, my family without that specific job. And so again, they just beat me to the punch. And I literally even said, said that to, you know, my boss, like you just beat me to the punch, man. I was, we were going to be having this conversation very soon. I want to thank you for the opportunity. I'm moving on. Appreciate the time. This is something we need to be extremely aware of because the people that you hang around with, my favorite quote almost of all time is you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with by Jim Rohn. It's because it's so true. The people you're spending time with, it's going to elevate you or it's going to pull you back. It's going to pull you off into doing things that you don't want to be doing. So be extremely careful with who you are choosing to spend your time with. I've seen this so many times in so many places, and I want to just challenge you. Take a minute, look around your environment just right now. If you, if you don't really even believe this, stop right now and look at the people that you are currently hanging out with, that you spend the most time with outside of your family. So your friend group, if you've got a couple of friends, do they drive a very similar car to you? Do they live in a house very similar to yours? In turn, you know, are they making about the same amount of money? chances are almost guaranteed that they have a very similar life to you. It's very rare that you're going to be making $50,000 a year or $100,000 a year, and your best friend is going to be making $2 million a year. It usually just doesn't happen to be that way. It can happen, but that's not generally the way it goes. Your four best friends aren't going to be making $2 million a year while you're here barely cracking six figures. That's just not the norm you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So choose those people wisely and be very careful about the environment you put yourself in. And you can use this to your advantage, actually. This is something that we talk about all the time is if you want to elevate yourself, maybe you do want to make that $2 million a year. And I'm just throwing out big numbers all the time because these are easy to at least understand. But let's let's drop it back into something. Maybe, you, maybe you're making $75,000 a year. And you want to make $200,000 a year. Find a room that has people that are making $200,000 a year. 
get yourself in that room. If you're making 200 and you want to get to $500,000 a year, put yourself in a room full of people who are making $500,000 a year, whatever level it is that you want to get to, put yourself in a room full of those people and trust yourself, believe in yourself, know that you're worthy of being in that room, and then just start providing value. Start being a friend to these people, helping these people and asking questions, asking how they got there, but not in the way of, oh, show me, show me, show me, show me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Um, show it from a true authentic space of, hey, I'm just here to learn. I would love to find out you know, how you got to here. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, I absolutely am here for you. Show some generosity, be the friend first. And maybe these people help you, maybe they won't. Typically, they'll be more than open to help you. Successful people on the whole are much more generous than they're ever portrayed in TV and in movies. They are more than happy to help people that they see that are truly genuine about trying to improve their lives and get to a better place in their life and do the work. And they're more than happy to help them when they have the availability. So again, don't go over there and say, hey, can you coach me for the next five years? Can you show me every single step? They have their own lives. They've got their things that they have prioritized that they need to take care of. So that is probably not going to happen, but they will be more than happy more often than not to maybe have just a coffee with you, have lunch with you, or maybe give you some tips or tricks or show you some strategies from time to time just to kind of help you get on the path that you're trying to get to. So again, immersion, put yourself in the middle of an environment that is going to truly elevate you and be very careful not to allow yourself to step into an environment for too long that is going to drag you down. We all have to you know, have, go through situations where maybe we're in an environment for a tiny little period of time, but be very conscious, be very aware of that situation, what it might be doing to you. Uh, again, thankfully, you know, in my New York City trip, I noticed it very quickly and, and I, I wasn't doing anything rude. I wasn't doing anything to be a jerk. I wasn't telling people to fuck off and flipping them off and doing that. What we, you know, kind of tend to believe is the New York city attitude, but I could tell that very subtle, but very profound shift that happened to me in just the matter of, as I said, 24, 36 hours. Imagine what your life is going to be like. If you put yourself into an environment over the course of a week, two weeks, a month, six months, a year, five years, how that's going to affect you. All right, get out there, have an amazing fucking day, and I'll see you next time. If you found value in this episode, please share it with your friends. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes and anywhere else that you happen to hear it. We are just trying to celebrate life, make it better for everyone, and sharing these messages with them just helps them believe in themselves and what can be better than that.